Hello, and welcome to Heart Points, a one-to-one RPG actual play podcast. I am your husband and GM, Zach. And I am your wife and player, Diana. And this is episode zero of the Blood Gold campaign. How are you, my darling? I am good. I'm good. I'm excited to play my character. Yes. Yay. It's been a really long time since we have done a long-form campaign. Um, longer than I expected us to go. Yeah, we were supposed to start this in January, weren't we? We were supposed to start this, um... Long time ago. Long time ago, and then, um, life happened and sort of got in the way. That is what happens when your partner is pregnant. Well, yeah, yes. I'm discovering that that's just kind of what happens when you're 30 in general. Like, (laughs) it wasn't just the pregnancy, it was like, we moved... My job kept changing really significantly. Yeah. Just a lot of... Emergencies, health stuff. Weird stuff happening. Yeah, and like weird stuff, like stuff that's not even important now. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Stuff that's not even important now. And then we decided to have a baby, and that threw whole new wrenches into everything. I think the baby thing happened before that, I'll be honest. What do you mean? I mean... Things weren't crazy, and then we were like, let's add a baby to it. It's things were crazy, and we had already decided to add a baby to Uh it. Like, that process had already happened. That feels like a different order of operations to me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, it can feel like a different order of operations for you. We moved, like, four months before. I don't... No, 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 we didn't. Not four months. No, it wasn't. Babies take nine months to make. They take 40 weeks 40 weeks to grow. We've established, it is well established on the show that I have no concept of scale. And I think time falls into that. So I'm going to blame yeah. that. Um, so. Are you, yeah. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. We were here for four months before we got pregnant. Oh my God, you're right. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I messed that time up. That was me. <laughs> it was almost exactly four months. I, you're get, right. Get Yes. Look at you. Yeah, I am. Um, math wizard. <laughs> um, so in this episode, we are going to talk a little bit about what we can expect from the Blood Gold campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't really done an in-depth session zero. We did a pretty chaotic session zero for our Beam Saber. Yeah. Campaign, which, geez, if you did not listen to our Beam Saber uh at least the two-parter. Um, the session zero, I think, is optional, although I did get to read my, like, big, long, whole world buildy thing, which I think is great. Please listen to the Beam Saber episodes. That game was amazing. I don't know if the Kickstarter is currently still going on, but if it is, go check it out. I was... I, I've long sort of been on the fence about Forged in the Dark, but Beam Saber is good like it's just i love this game and i want to play more of it well you love mechs i love mechs it's hard for you to not love a game about mechs but i liked that game and i think that says something because i don't care about mechs it's not that i don't like them i just don't care about them and you feel very passionately about them i love giant robots yeah. Um, but that's not what we're playing. No, there are no robots, as far as I know, in this game. I am not planning on there being any robots. No robots. So in the middle of the Segaranza campaign, 
I started like thinking about what I wanted to do next and thinking about all the mistakes that we made in the Segaranza campaign, <laughs> all the hiccups that we overcame. Yep. Uh, and, and what kind of story I'd want to tell that would be different and that uh, would maybe sidestep those issues. And I really wanted to do like a long quest. And at the time, I was very big into Torchbearer, and I still love the Torchbearer system. Uh, but I really wanted to do a heavily hacked Torchbearer game with like taking some of the elements from burning wheel to make it a little more uh or make it a little less focused on just dungeon crawl and doing some of the overland travel kind of stuff frankensteining something with torchbearer mouse guard and burning wheel so that we could do like this big overland quest something um kind of reminiscent of like lord of the rings which i know you are a big fan of yes well, okay. So, okay. So here's the thing. I'm annoying in person when you first meet me because I get very nervous. And when I get very nervous, I talk a lot. So when I went to co- this is all relevant. Okay. When I went to college and I had my first roommate, she's intimidating. You can ask anybody you've ever, who's ever met this girl, woman. She's intimidating. And I was intimidated. And, <laughs> and I got really nervous and just started talking and quickly discovered that she liked Lord of the Rings. And I liked Lord of the Rings, so we would watch Lord of the Rings extended edition of the movies like over and over again. And we became best friends and we lived together for three years and she's still my best friend and it's Lord of the Rings. It's their fault. The movies and the books. (laughs) I mean, Lord of the Rings has impacted my life in other ways, but Lord of the Rings is really how I made a friend in college because it's hard to make friends when you're as as annoying and loud and talkative as I am. When you very first meet me, I'm wonderful in person. I'm wonderful. It's true. But I... I'm a lot. That is also true. I am a lot, and especially when I'm nervous. You were one of the first people I met in college. Yeah. And then I didn't talk to you again for several months. I mean, it was that was a smart decision. <laughs> that was a smart decision on your part. We slow- No, it wasn't. It was a terrible decision. No, we slowly got to meet each other again, and you were like, oh, look, she's a little bit more normal. Under more sane circumstances. Yeah, yeah, she's not, you know, hyped up on 10 sugar cookies and also nervous to meet you. <laughs> like to the point where i got his name wrong his your name is very simple and i got it very wrong (laughs) i got it very wrong well it wasn't so much that you got it wrong it's that you got it wrong and then went on like a 10 minute rambling rant about the differences between my actual name and the name you said i did so that was fun that was Um, the thing i did but anyway lord of the rings made me a friend and i like lord of the rings end of that long story (laughs) (laughs) um so if You might be thinking, hey, Zach, you sure are saying that you're hacking a whole bunch of stuff and changing a bunch of rules talking about wanting to do Torchbearer. And I'm like, yeah, that is kind of where I was at because I wanted to do something dark and gritty because Sagaranta was not like super magical, but it was kind of it was very like uh, epic fantasy. You could do anything. Yeah. While I love epic fantasy, I also like grittier fantasy, more realistic fantasy, like dealing with like problem solving in that way so i was thinking torchbearer and then i was talking it over with uh, a bunch of people talking about my ideas and the system that i was looking at uh and i have had a system forever that i have not really played i've played it twice called ryutama and ryutama is a japanese game that has been described as hayao Miyazaki's oregon trail because it is a game about long overland journeys 
um, people who are in, compelled to go on a quest, and and it requires you to track your gear very closely, and it's also very like kind of it's kind of the art of the game and the the depiction of the book is very whimsical. And I had told some people, I was like, yeah, I think I'm leaning towards Torchbearer, but this is kind of like another game that's on my mind. And a few people, um, I know uh, Lauren Bryant Monk of the Too Many RPGs podcast was very much like, yes, you should do Ryutama. Uh, I believe our uh, Devin Preston, friend of the show, Devin Preston, also recommended it to me. Um, and I've, I apologize if I forget anyone else who I spoke to and was like, hey, you should play Ryutama. But a few people were like, you should really, you know, look into Ryutama more. So I dug back into the book and I, I did some more digging and I realized, oh, this actually really, I think, is going to do what I want it to do. And as I was prepping, the game has gotten like less and less Lord of the Rings and m- more and more Princess Mononoke yeah. like as we've been prepping. And I think it's at a point now where it's going to be very interesting, very cool. And we decided to go with Ryutama. And I should talk a little bit more about Ryutama. So Ryutama is a game of uh, natural fantasy roleplay. It is a Japanese game originally designed by Atsuhiro Okada with illustrations that I think really make the game by Ayako Nagamori. The translation team was made up of Matt Sanchez and Andy Kitkowski, and it went to Kickstarter for the translation, I believe, in 2015. And I was, I backed it on Kickstarter. I got a a physical book way back then, and I just have never really gotten around to playing it very significantly. I played it once with my brother and once with Xander of Heartbeats Cast for international podcast month and both times were really fun but i've never really been able to do the long-term campaign that i've wanted to do of it so we are digging into that now yeah um diana what are your first impressions of ryutsuma before we've you've read the book but we haven't actually like rolled any dice on it or played it at all right what are your impressions so far? it is one of the crunchier games that we've ever played so like there's a lot more of material management in this game than we normally do and it is like more detailed because it's more management oriented does that make sense Mm -hmm. um so the, the focus isn't on the relationships that i have with other people the focus is on how well like how well am i prepared to be a traveler and i think that's really interesting i'm really excited to play that and be bad at it because i'm not as good at that very good at talking around things. It's a little harder to talk around things when I can't when I can look at my sheet and be like, I ran out of water two days ago. Can't really talk about I can't talk around that mm-hmm. to magically make some more water happen. It's not how this game works. Yeah. It might be how it works in Dungeons and Dragons not Dungeons and Dragons in uh, Dungeon World, but it's not how it works here, and so that'll be interesting. As someone who's played Torchbear and has played or and, and has read the rules for Ryutama, mm-hmm. what do you think about the, I think there's naturally some comparison there in terms of gear management as like a major system. Yeah. Um, but they're obviously very different in Everything most, yeah, yeah, in most other ways. Um, 
knowing what I'm what I'm aiming for, mm-hmm. do you think we're making the right call with Ryutama or I do. And it's because I haven't heard any games of like I haven't heard anybody do it, but I don't think that Torchbearer lends itself super well to single person play. Just because of how like I would either be woefully unprepared immediately and die immediately mm. or I would be OP in like three sessions because I have to roll for everything. Oh, so your your like skills would have would Yeah, they would like they oh, would I didn't even really think of that. They would level up so fast because I'm rolling I am the person rolling for every single thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. And in Torchbearer you have to fail and pass a roll for you to to be able to level it up, level it up, and if I'm rolling for everything, I'm rolling for everything. I'm gonna like BOP really fast. Yeah, I think you can draw some comparisons, but they are really different. And I think that this one is going to be easier for single person play. And I say single person, I mean single party member. Yeah, yeah. Well, duet. Duet. Thank one you. One to one. Yeah. Um. I I think this is gonna lend itself nicely to it. I think there. This is. While there's a lot more gear management in this game than there is in Torchbearer, I think. I think there's more in this game than in that one. Weirdly, I would agree. There, they are the management is different. Yes. Um, and it's definitely crunchier in Torchbearer in some ways when you consider like the grind and keeping track of turns. Mm-hmm. But in this, you are looking at the quality. Um, of your gear so you can have cute gear used gear like all these different qualifiers for the gear that you're using they all do like different bonuses and they can break down which isn't really something in torchbearer like stuff can break but there isn't like a mechanical durability rating like there is in this right and this also has a lot of gear that isn't for combat. Yeah. Like this has a, ge- a lot of gear for just living your life. Yeah. Like you have to carry soap. Yeah. That was a whole discussion that we had. I was like, I don't want soap. I don't care if I'm stinky. Who cares? I'm by myself. And then later I was like, oh, no, wait, hold on. I might want soap. Like for this game, I, for Torchbearer, I don't need soap. We're all disgusting. Mm-hmm. It's fine. But in this game, I might need soap. <laughs> like I actually might need it. So let, let's put it in my inventory. I don't remember where I was going with that. Torchbearer. This is crunchier than Torchbearer. Oh, yes. so Sorry, e- I interrupted. No. no, no, that's good. So even though this is crunchier than Torchbearer, I think that this is going to be easier to play by myself. I think in Torchbearer you need other people, especially the combat. I mean, you don't really need other people in combat, mm-hmm. but it's helpful in Torchbearer to have other people in that combat. But I think it's going to be easier to do to do this by myself with this system. I'm also excited to try it because it's a new system. Like yeah. I've never used, I've never played a game like this before and I think it'll be interesting. It'll be really fun to play. I, I think there's a lot of things that are going to make Ryutama really sing for us and our needs. I am a little worried that I don't know it very well. I mean, we That's had a learn- big mistake that I'm making. We had a learning curve with dungeons. I keep saying dungeons. Dun- Why do I keep putting the S there? Dungeon world single person play yeah or duet play we had a we had a learning curve there we'll have a learning curve here we did and i was like very adamant i was like never again i have to play the game first and i've criticized other people for just g like actual plays but you have played this game before i mean you've had a taste of it about taste i've read the rules a lot and i think i am i'm as ready as i will ever be i've been putting it off because i'm very nervous about this campaign i want it to be good I think we 
are ready. We're not going to be any more ready, especially in like two months. It's going to be worse. So we got to get started now. <laughs> that's that's true. In two months, we will have a goblin in our home. Yeah. And it's going to be hard to play role-playing games. Well, in truth, y- you will all probably hear the goblin because of how long it takes us to record these. From my understanding, goblins don't sleep for a super long time during the day. <laughs> Especially in the beginning when they're new goblins. So New wrinkly goblins. Yep. All they can do is cry. Yep. Do we want to talk a little bit? Can we talk a little bit about the world? Yes, let's uh, do that. I want to talk a little bit about the world and about the tone that we're aiming for. Yes. So the world of the game that we are playing in is called Soul. S-O-U-L. Soul is the world. And it is a high fantasy magical world. But that said, there are only two sapient species. And those are the humans and the draken. So the humans are very uh, diverse in everything that you would expect human humanity to be diverse in. Ethnicity, gender, um, architecture, government, uh, very diverse. I am, I think I'm trying to aim for something akin to, I don't know, feudal era, medieval era, but not really tying into one culture particularly. Ryutama itself and Ghibli, which is being a like major influence, are very like faux European. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm taking a lot of that for a lot of the cities and towns. Uh, but I think as we travel over the map, we'll encounter some different like kind of style of really like architecture and system, right? The people I think are very, like the people are very diverse. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no one style of individual person, but I'm thinking in terms of like town, like the structures of the towns and the government. What the houses look like, where they're built, why, why they're built the way they are, what the government is. Yeah. Yeah. Do they, do you have a prince? Do you have a chancellor? Do you have a mayor? Yeah. The draken are a race of dragons. He says confidently. He says, <laughs> questioning himself. <laughs> uh, and they are my own special dragons that I've made for the world of soul. So unique. So unique. So in soul, there are draken, and draken live in hives hoarding uh, their, uh, building their hordes and studying magic. And they have their own issues, their own politics, their own uh, alignments. And there are chromatic dragons and there are metallic dragons. And those don't really tie to whether or not a dragon is good or evil. Um, It might make like, Chromatic might be a little more chaotic. Metallic might be a little more lawful in general, but those aren't hard and fast rules. But what is different about drakens is that uh, they live in these hives and they are structured very much like um, eusocial insects, like bees and ants. Because everybody knew what the first thing you said was. We now know when you say bees and ants, like that, makes and ants. that makes more sense. Yeah. So the head of a hive is a dragon um, or a worm. 
W-Y-R-M. Uh, and a dragon is uh, like I the ask, queen of a hive. Can I ask, this is an English thing. Why is W-Y-R-M a worm and not a weirm? We we it very well could be weirm. Why wouldn't it be? Because don't you pronounce wise like e like the letter e? I don't know. Like I'm assuming e. it's old English. We weirm 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 weirm. Why? Maybe someone knows the answer. If you know the answer, let me know. But worms, we'll call them worms. Yes, they're worms. They have four limb. Well, they have six limbs, four legs and wings. Mm-hmm. Um, they're highly intelligent and they are uh, egg layers and they <laughs> produce uh, uh, all other types of draken. Mm-hmm. And the other types of draken are wyverns, which are the carriers of genetic material. And wyverns are monsters, basically. Wyverns have four limbs, two legs, and two, and a pair of wings. And uh, they can use some magic, but mostly wyverns are nuisances. They are highly chaotic, highly, uh, very deadly, um, will attack basically anything until they are a part of a, of a new dragon's hive. And dragons view wyverns largely as nuisances um, and threats to their own hives very frequently. But really, wyverns are a greater threat to humans um, because wyverns will go in and wyverns are trying to collect hordes that they can give to dragons, to worms. And that's kind of how the draken spread, like, genetic material about. So the collecting a horde is their fancy plumage. Yes. Yeah. Wyverns, like, build up hordes and give them to dragons as, like, an attempt to, like... Be like, hey, this is what this is how strong I am. Let me make some babies with you. Yeah, caca, 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 because they're birds, Cause and they're birds. That, and that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's what they're doing. They're collecting pretty gold shiny things to give to the other birds, and then that bird gets to be like, "Fuck you, I'm going to eat you." Or okay, let's make another bird thing. Mm-hmm. I hate all bird things, and these dragons sound like birds, and I hate birds. It, well, it's more taken from, like, insects, right? That, like, a queen produces, um, like, male drones, and those drones go off and join other hives. Or even, like, I'm not to make everything about hyenas all the time, but a big part of, like, hyena genetic differentiation is that, like, the males get... Or lions, right? Male Like, male lions get kicked out of their pride, and they have to go join another pride, and that's how data gets you know spread um this is very scientific i like it i'm just i like it listen i'm not it's not judgment i'm saying i like it (laughs) data gets spread i like that i don't know how else to to you know to i don't know how to say genetic material yeah genetic material yeah genetic diversity and then the last type of draken is the kobold and kobolds are tiny little three-foot-tall uh, creatures that live in a dragon's hive. They maintain it. They keep it. Uh, they build it in mountains. Uh, and they tend to the dragon. Um, wyverns are very squishy. Or not wyverns. Kobolds are very squishy. Um, they are kind of chaotic. They kind of do all the things that a human city would do. 
they keep it running and they tend to the dragon. And they're very much just sort of like the worker bees in a, in a beehive. And that's the dragon. So one of the big problems with all this is the wyverns are a, are a problem for the human cities. They're kind of a problem for everyone, like human and dragon alike. But they're especially a problem for humans who are small and tasty and have a lot of the things that wyverns want to give to dragons. And so there is a special class of person, there's a job of person called a wyvern slayer. And that's where Diana's character comes in. Yes. Do you want to talk about your Do we want to talk about tone for the game or do we want to talk about your character now? Let's talk about tone because I could talk about my character all day long. Okay. So my initial tone was like Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Or something like, I wanted something like dark and gritty and realistic and like really... Different from Segaranza. Yeah. And that has slowly evolved. Yeah. Into something that is a little more like Princess Mononoke. I've been watching Hokkaido Shopping Log, which is like this gorgeous, really beautiful uh, short OVA anime that came out, I believe, in the 80s. Um, that's just like really quiet and retrospective. Mm-hmm. Porco Rosso, which is like yeah. not that like just like adventure yeah. and like beauty. Well, if you take out the fact that Porco Rosso is a pig, like if you take out that fact, mm-hmm. there's nothing spectacular about that movie. Like, th- and by spectacular, I mean like magical. Like if you take that out, it is just a travel story. Yeah, with like it's a good, it's still a good story. I'm, I'm. I feel like I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. Burger Rose is my favorite. I know. You can't say anything that old. And, and I'm not trying to. I'm just saying, if you take out the fact that he's a pig, there's yeah. no, like, magic or anything in the, in the, and it's just a travel story and with, a, like, a little adventure and some fighting and stuff. Like, yeah. There's nothing crazy or outlandish about the, the movie except for the fact that he's a pig. Yeah, but it's beautiful. Oh, God, it's gorgeous. Um, oh, the aerials and stuff. Oh, it's so good. If you haven't seen Porco Rosso, see, por- see Porco Rosso. We were going to watch it with our Patreons, and then uh, we had tech issues, and I... I still wanna, can't get it to work. We I need st- to make it happen. I still can't get cast to work for me. A lot of Ghibli movies. Um, also, Nausicaa and Laputa, Castle in the Sky. So I want to go for something that's like very whimsical, very adventurous. I want to I go now for something that is very heartfelt, um, where initially the blood in Blood Gold was referencing like spilling blood. I'm kind of reframing that now to be about like the uh, heart blood yeah right your heart um the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb you know yeah uh that's what i want the blood and blood gold to be about is about like camaraderie and fighting for what you believe in and adventure what is what are you aiming for in terms of tone so i'll be honest i've got a few practical things that i'm aiming for okay i am trying to not impulsively try to stab somebody in the taint (laughs) <laughs> like real talk because because it's just me i don't have anyone to bounce ideas off of because it's a recording i can't i mean i could because it's a recording sit here for 15 minutes and make and try to make a logical decision but that is boring for both you and i that's why we have an editor i know but like but even then there's just like a pressure even if you're not mm. putting it on me that i need to come up with something kind of on the fly like i can't spend 15 minutes thinking about my next move i i really do need to kind of keep it moving and so when we played Sagaranza. 
I ended up like stabbing people in the taint because that was the first thing that came up to my came to my head, and I made a lot of really rash decisions. And I still stand by Gonsa Sound, but Gonsa Sound is not different than Diana. <laughs> Those are the same people. She just has a little less of a filter <laughs> and no inhibitions. That's Gonsa Sound. Um, I am aim. I am trying to aim for something a little bit more serious. I am trying to aim for a more mature and worldly character who would make more mature and worldly decisions. What will happen is stabbing in the taint. I just won't call it that and it will be a different body part. I see. So I just need you to recognize that I am trying. But those problems of me being by myself, not having anyone to bounce ideas off of, like players Mm. at the table to bounce ideas off of, and having to come up with something kind of on the fly... There's going to be some taint stabbing. I'm just hoping that's a little bit less. Oh, I forgot something about uh, wyverns. There's is no taint. They have impenetrable taints. Oh, that makes they have sense. Taint armor. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. that. Sorry. Oh, thanks. That's helpful. Just thanks. as a heads up. Yeah, thanks. Obviously, I'm using stabbing in the taint as a metaphor. <laughs> so stab- I, I, I want a t-shirt. I know I've said no to stab in the taint t-shirts before, but I want a t-shirt that just says stabbing in the taint. It's a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a metaphor, obviously. Uh, metaphor what? Is that the wrong English word? I mean, it. I don't know. Stabbing what? in... I don't literally mean stabbing in the taint. It is representative of rash impulsive decisions what is the word for that uh i mean it, it it's kind of a euphemism but it does allegory. the opposite of what a euphemism usually does allegory yeah it's an allegory is that the word isn't that a whole story i'm i don't have the english degrees you have the english degrees i don't know what these words are no, i'm also know. i have cocoon brain like you can't expect me to know things I have – both of our brains are broken because I've had a cold for two weeks that has turned into what I'm now getting concerned might be a double ear infection. I am growing a human. You can't use your cold. I'm growing a bacterial infection <laughs> in my brain. So – Anyway, the point is tone. My tone, I am aiming for something a little bit more serious. But silly is still going to be there. I'm still aiming for oh, – like, yeah. Obviously, I'm still going for heartfelt and and like – you know, sincere, like those are things I'm still aiming for, but I am going for something a little bit more mature and a little bit more serious. Yeah. Not boring, just serious. Yeah, I would really like something along the lines of like the average Studio Ghibli film where it's talking about very serious subject matter, but there are plenty of moments of comedic relief. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is one thing that I'm hoping to lean in to more um i think with segaranza i kind of just like let the jokes wash over me and just kind of like do you, do you know the do you know the gif uh from um spirited away you've never seen spirited away have you i have not uh so you wouldn't recognize this there's a gif of a character called no face just being like overwhelmed with a wave and that's kind of how i felt about the jokes is no face the black with the white yeah i've seen i know i know the characters from spirited away i've just never seen the movie like i can recognize them we should watch that um isn't there a food a food gif yeah from that yeah food yeah i i want to be better 
at jokes because I don't think that's naturally a strength for me. Mm-hmm. Is I don't think humor is naturally a strength for me. So I want to do a better job of incorporating humor and rolling with it and allowing it to fold into the drama aspects yeah. rather than just rather than wall off the jokes from the drama i want to fold them together like a delicious pastry yes i'm not good at jokes but people find me funny (laughs) so i don't i can't help you with that because i don't do things to be like oh that would be funny i should do this right now that is that thought has never occurred to me i i don't do things to be funny i just do them and then they are funny so (laughs) i can't help you i can't help you with Folding in the delicious pastry funniness into this year. I can't do that, but I will be here. <laughs> so things will happen. Okay. I can't promise anything. But I think with Sagaransa, the big issue that we had with Sagaransa is that I was nervous and I was overwhelmed. And you had a, had one idea for tone and the game, and I had a different idea for tone in the game. And I think one of the things that we learned and one of the reasons that we're having this conversation right now is that you we have to be explicit about what we're aiming for so that we can be on the same page. Yeah. And, um, and it's true for all gameplay, regardless of how many people are at the table, you should have a conversation about tone. But it's especially important when there's just the two of us, because if I derail it, I've derailed the whole game. There's no one else to redirect the ship. It's just me and it's just you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really important that we're having this conversation right now. And I think we're both on the same page about the kind of game that we want to play. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. Yeah. Can So in terms of tone and setting, I have come up with a custom move Ooh. for our series, a custom mechanic, I should say, that I'm going to print out and give to you but i want you to tell me what you think of this okay anytime you add or expand on the detail in a scene in order to make it more wondrous awe-inspiring magical heartwarming or otherwise take an extra step to portray a magical world i will give you i will award you one wonder point and i'm stealing this from Golden Sky Stories, which mm-hmm. has a similar mechanic for like doing something cute, right? You get a point. Yeah. So anytime you do any, anytime you add detail to a scene, and I'm, I want this to, my hope is that this will encourage us both to make scenes more wondrous and magical and strange and give you mechanized incentive to take control of a scene and add detail to it. Yeah. I want you to be able to like, if I describe a scene of a waterfall, I want you to feel like you can take that scene and add details to it to make it more magical. Right. And anytime you do that, I will give you a wonder point. You can hold up to five wonder points at a time. If you earn more than that, you'll have to immediately spend wonder points or you'll lose it. You can spend one wonder point to immediately regain 1d4 HP or MP or to immediately increase your condition by one. You can spend three wonder points to grant an NPC a reroll or to restore 1d6 life points to your Ryujin. Which we can get into. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can spend five wonder points to find a magic item or to increase a stat for one step for one scene. That's a lot of stuff. I can do a lot of stuff with that. Yeah. So I think this will be useful because you are going to be 
sort of alone. You're going to have companions. Um, you're going to who are much more limited. Yeah. And much more uh, consistent mm-hmm. in this game. But you are going to have companions. But you are going to have to deal with. I'm alone. Yeah. I'm alone in the world. So I'm hoping that this won't break the game. And if it does, we'd modify it. Like. Yeah. 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 We'll modify it, but. What do you, what, does that, does that sound, um, does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds fine to me. Again, we haven't started playing, so at this point I don't know practical, in practical terms, if that will break the game or not. Yeah, me neither. Um, but yeah, that sounds fine to me. Sounds like a very reasonable thing to do, because I do struggle with painting a scene. I often will just be like, I do the thing. I did this thing. Done. Like, I won't paint the scene about what it looks like and all that stuff. So this will encourage me to do that. Yeah. Uh, And one last thing about the world. Um, The major religion of the world is an animist religion that worships the um, deities called Pega that exist in all things. So there are literally hundreds of thousands of these spirits and they are some, most of them are very small. There are a few grand pega. And uh, as you are going about your travels, you will come across small shrines to different pega um, where it's customary for a traveler to leave a, an, an item that is helpful for travel for survival for whatever um and most of the time it will be very mundane um it might be a length of rope or it might be a tattered cloak or something else a walking stick but sometimes it might be something valuable or magical um based on your actions or what's going on in the world uh ryutama also has a player character for the gm and that character, as written, is a dragon, but I thought thought that was a little complicated because of the world we've set up. Right. So I've changed it to be a Grand Pega, um, and they are the Grand Pega of Dungeons. They are the Bard of Dungeons, or they are the Grand Bard. Uh, the Great Herald of Heroes is what they call themselves. Uh, and they will be able to help you in your adventure as well. And they'll be chronicling your adventure and and telling your story and helping you out. Um, so that's the last bit about the world. Yeah. Am I missing anything? No, that seems right. So let's talk about your character. Yay. Who are you playing? I'm going to talk about my character. So the thought process that went into this character, I will explain who this character is in a little bit, but... I love action movies. I love mindless action movies. I love them so very, very much. And I think that they're phenomenal. I think they're great movies. And there is a series. There's two of them. A a main one and then a sequel. That really just outshine all the others for just how purely ridiculous it is. And the movie, and well, the movies, but I'm basing this off the first one. Movie is Red. R-E-D. With Bruce Willis. And it is retired, extremely dangerous. That's what that means. And Bruce Willis is retired and extremely dangerous. And the movie starts off with, he is retired, living a retired life. And it is very boring for him. And then, oh no, drama. And then you see the extremely dangerous part of him. At first, the first five minutes are the retired part. The next 15 minutes, well, the rest of the movie is 
the extremely dangerous part. And it's really good. It's a really good action film. Like there's a little love story in there, but it's just explosions and car chases and like big names. Morgan Freeman's in it. Like there's just like a lot of really cool stuff going on. It's a good movie. You should watch it. And I think the sequel holds up because there's not, there's not a whole lot to build on. It is just a, a action movie with things exploding. You can do that a couple times. So they did it a couple times and it was really good. I thought so anyway. Anyway, so the that was kind of the uh, inspiration for my character because Constance was young and going on her first ever adventure. I I tend to do this. I tend to swing from like opposites to opposites to opposites. I try like in the beginning when I was first role playing, I would play the same character over and over again. Um, but now I try to play different characters, and so that's what I did. Constance was young and on her first adventure. This character I wanted to be like. This is like an old, this is, what is it? Old shoe? Old hat. Old hat. <laughs> I don't know the phrase. <laughs> it's like, it, oh, it's a, no, I do this. This is a thing I know how to do, but it's been a while since I've done it. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's kind of where I was coming from when I made this character, which does tend to make things a little harder. Usually when you're creating a character, they don't want you to already be good at that thing. Like, you have to come up with some way to, like, offset that. So I'm old. I've been retired for a while is the way that I offset this. Um, So my character's name is Marin. And I'm a lady. But I'm a 52-year-old lady because I'm a hard worker and old in this world. I mean, 52 is not, like, super old. But it's not. So what I was aiming for with 52 was I wanted something that was aged but not elderly. Yeah. That's what I was going for. Like, I could, I am still working on my farm. It's not weird that I'm still working on my farm, but I'm older. Yeah. And so Marin is retired from the wyvern hunting life. And what she did is she, you know, she's traveled a bunch hunting wyverns. And she came to this town and there was, and she'd been to this town before. And there was an old homestead that no one was using. So it's hers now. And the town folk are just like, well, she didn't pay any taxes for it. She didn't buy it. But I'm not going to be the one to tell her that she can't live there. So she lives there now, is what has happened. I contribute to the town. I am not like terrorizing people, but I have no legal right to this land. Anyone (laughs) could take it. Um, But it was, you know, it was abandoned. No one was using it. So now I'm using it. Um, And so I run a little farm. I do a little root vegetable farm. Like potatoes and beets. Those are roots. Yes. I do those. And then I've got some like random livestock. So like I don't ha- I'm not I don't have like a dairy farm, but I might have a couple goats. That sort of thing. And so this is the kind of the life that I've created for myself here. And I just okay, so just my looks, the way that Marin looks. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, just like average build, but I'm athletic. I'm athletically built. I'm really strong because I still work on my farm. I'm the only person on my farm. I do all the plowing and the pulling of the weeds and the the planting and the picking and the taking care of the goats and all that shit. I do all of it by myself. So I'm strong. I'm just older. Um, I've got a long braid down my back, which is probably the most obviously gendered thing about me. It's not even that gendered. I guess... Feminine. feminine. Yeah, I guess the most feminine thing about me is I've got this long braid down my back and it's because it's easier to take care of. Short hair falls in your face. Long hair, 
goes back easier. Um, it's a practical reason. But my hair is salt and pepper because I'm a little brown. A little brown from head to toe all the way down. And, you know, like average height. Like, I'm not, I'm not, you won't remember me. Like, if I walk into town, you remember me because there's like a presence about me. But if you were to describe me, I am average. I am a very average woman. I'm not striking in any way. I don't have like big scars on my face. I'm not like beautiful or hideous. I'm just, I'm just an average built woman who happens to have this past. Some of the older members of the town might know, but the younger members of town just think I'm this like weird lady who just stole a farm and started farming. Oh, you don't think they know that you are like I, a... I wouldn't have talked about it. I don't talk about it. Okay. Because I don't talk about myself. But some of the older members would remember me from when I was yeah. going around being a wyvern hunter. I mean, so like the town might know, but I don't tell them. Yeah. I do have... I have a pack animal. <laughs> I have a pack animal. Um, Osmer. Osmer is a four-horned antelope thing um it's it's not a real ant like it's not like a on earth animal i mean it's based on on earth animals but it's like a it's like a combination of a couple different ones it's about the size of a reindeer with antelope horns and goat horns isn't that right that was that a goat yeah so i it's got um osmer's got like spirally upward horns and curling horns around their ears. So there are four horns and it's tall, but it's a pack animal. So it's not like, it's sturdy. It's sturdy like a, it's sturdy like a cow is sturdy or, okay. a, or a horse, but it's like the size of a reindeer. Like it's tall. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. When you say sturdy like a cow it's not or like a super horse, tall. I'm thinking of two very different body shapes. Those are very different body shapes. I'm thinking of the body shape of a uh, cow. But cow, but a little thinner. Okay. Like a little thinner than a cow. Okay. Like a... So like like an, a stocky buffalo. Yes. Yes. Or like a... No, like a thin, thin buffalo. Like a thin buffalo. Okay. You know, like the Highland cows? stocky... You know, like the Highland cows animal. that are, are somebody... It's not really our neighbor, but somebody in the town has Highland cows. Yeah. They're not like big and fat like dairy cows. I'm not looking... I'm not thinking about dairy cows. I'm yeah. thinking about like natural cows before we pump them full of gross things okay yeah 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 it's kind of what i'm thinking it's like it's not as like thin or graceful as a gazelle or some of like the smaller antelopes but it is it's like stock it's a stocky ungulate ungulate two-toed you can use whatever word you would like it is kind of like in between a horse and a cow okay with its rib cage it's tall like a reindeer it's got the face of an antelope. And, and it's it, built for carrying stuff. And it's built for carrying stuff. It's got four horns. Okay. Sometimes I hang things on the horns, like for fun. Now, you did choose a trait for Osmer I in order to did. afford him. I did because Osmer was quite expensive. Uh, Osmer has a bad attitude. So <laughs> Osmer and I are stubborn old mules, basically, which I don't do mules exist in this world. I don't know. Magic mules. Well, Osmer is a magic mule. And. Bad attitude. I can't always guarantee that Osmer's going to follow my directions and, like, do what I want Osmer to do. Um, but for the most part, I take care of Osmer. Osmer takes care of me. We, we're like, it's like a homeowner and a cat. We we exist together. Okay. We take care of each other. Osmer's going to do what Osmer wants to do, though. Mm-hmm. I can sometimes get Osmer to do what I want Osmer to do. 
Okay. And sometimes Osmer will like throw everything off its back and go drink some water. <laughs> okay. Like just for fun. Okay. It'll do that. Um, How long have you had Osmer? Osmer, I think, has been with me for quite some time. But pack animals, you can't have like a super old pack animal and have it like last with you. So we have a bond. I don't know. I, I don't know this magical world, but I would say like five or six years. Okay. So like a while. But not pre-farming. Not pre-farming. Okay. No. I would love for it to be pre-farming, but I think I've been farming for a while. Okay. Like I think I've been farming for at least 10 years. Maybe, well, if you more. if you would prefer for Osmer to be like from your wyvern slaying days, I kind of would, but I don't want it to die soon, and I don't no, want it to be old. No, I'm not gonna do that to you. I'm. Not, there are certain things that I think I I'm gonna want to like go a quote unquote realistic route, quote unquote gritty route. Mm-hmm. But this would not be one of them. Like if you want Osmer to be from. I do. Your... Just the last couple of years of me wyvern hunting. Yeah. I think that's totally fair. He was like carrying your weapons and stuff. Yeah. Because as a wyvern slayer, you were traveling from town to town. You did a lot of traveling. I did. So especially if you were traveling like alone or in a small group of other wyvern slayers, you would have probably needed something to carry all your gear. Yes. And um, so, okay. So then with that in mind, Os- I've had Osmer for a while. I yeah. can't. I won't put a number on it. But I've had Osmer for a while, but Osmer's not, like, sickly or old. Yeah, Osmer's not going to die of old age. Yeah. I'm not going to kill Osmer of old age. I'm not saying I won't kill Osmer. I get it. I won't kill Osmer of old age. I get that. I get the <laughs> distinction. I understand. Um, yeah, so I've had Osmer for a while, but I had I only had Osmer for maybe two years before I retired. Okay. Sort of thing. Like, it was, we had a, like, we had bonded. We were related yeah. to each other in that way, but um, mainly farming at this point. Okay. Um, so I think Osmer's probably pretty bored. Mm. For the most part. I mean, I, like, make Osmer plow and stuff. Yeah. When Osmer will follow my directions. But, um, but yeah, so I have Osmer. And that's, you know, my thing. So my character sheet. So I'm Marin. I've described myself a little bit. My class is a farmer. And I picked a farmer because, one, I am currently a farmer. And because, two, farmer allowed me to take um, traits from or skills from another class set which I took from Hunter, which makes sense for the life that I'm living now. I've been a, I've been a farmer for a while, but I was a hunter for a long time. So I have some skills there. Just as, just as like a general introduction to me. Yeah. So um, the abilities that you have, I think we actually forgot to include robust. You have the ability robust, right? I do. I do. Ha- I just didn't mention it. I do have robust because I'm, I'm used to traveling and I'm a stocky not stocky, but I'm like hardy. Yeah. I'm a hardy woman. We didn't take that into account when we did your gear last. So we might want to, in case you want Oh, I get plus three. Yeah, I can carry more things. Grab more stuff. Um, you have animal handler, which is why you have Osmer. Yep. And, and I can have up to three animals. So at some point I might get a fantasy dog, perhaps a fantasy bird. Right now I feel like Osmer is all I need, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows where life will take me? And then I've got animal tracking, which allows me to um, find monster locations, which would have been very helpful when I was a wyvern hunter, Mm -hmm. which is why I took that trait. I do have two weapons that I – they're not – they are weapons, but they are tools. Yep. Which is why I use them, especially now while farming. So I have a hand axe. I'll start small. I have a little hand axe that I carry with me, which we've decided is a hatchet, which if I'm remembering correctly, we had a very long discussion during the second Ansa campaign at some point where I realized that a hatchet is not the size of a belt buckle. 
<laughs> I believe that is right. If if that didn't happen during Segaranza, I just it. want you to know that at some point in my life, because of the book Hatchet and my poor, poor memory, I thought that a hatchet, not the whole thing, just the blade, just the, the axe part, not the handle part, but the axe part, was the size of a belt buckle. So well, very little. Okay, that's not... But that's little. That's not crazy far off. I thought... I not thought I distinctly handle. asked if you meant the handle as well. No, not the handle. Okay. I don't remember. Because that would be nothing. I mean, or maybe not... I did, but now I don't remember. It doesn't matter. It's bigger than that. It's it is, bigger than It's that. bigger than a belt buckle. It doesn't matter. I think we should call it a hand axe. It is, a hand, it, it is a hand axe is what I've written yeah. down. I have a hand axe. It's not a hatchet. But it just reminded me of that conversation that I had many years ago where I was terrible at knowing what a hatchet was. To be fair, I've still never seen a hatchet in real life. Why would I? I grew up in a city. Who needs axes? That's weird. It's a weird thing. Serial killers have axes in the cities that I grew up in. (laughs) The other tool that I have is I've written down Monk's Spade. It has many names, but you can look it up using Monk's Spade. And basically, it functions as a pole axe for me. But it functions. I I can dig the dirt with it. Like I can. It's a spade. I can spade things with it. Um, but it's a very cool weapon. So if you want to get a, if you want to look up some weird, different tools and weapons, you should look up a monk spade. It's pretty cool. And it's like a martial artist's weapon. Yes. So uh, if you are unfamiliar with it, I, I've also, I've always been familiar with it as a Shaolin spade. Yeah, there, there are several names for this thing. Yeah. And the basic idea of it is that it has a crescent on one end, which can be used to keep uh, threats distant, um, and a, a sharp spade on the other end, which can be used as a weapon, and also to... Um, one description I saw said that it was um, used in case the monk came across a dead body, they could bury it, um, but that was something that I read recently. I, I've only known it just as like a general use spade and weapon. Uh, which we statted as a polearm. Uh, we also statted the hand axe as a light blade rather than an axe because we thought that was more appropriate. For what I wanted it to be used yeah. for, yeah. Because what I wanted were tools. Like, when I was a wyvern hunter, I had way better and more weapons. But I have been retired now. I have no interest in going back into wyvern hunting. So, like... I probably have a bow and arrow, but it's not as good anymore. Like, I'm not as comfortable with those weapons anymore, but I am more comfortable with my monk spade. It probably was a weapon I had, but because it's a tool, I get to, like, I've been using it. Yeah. Um, And the hand axe, I've been using that. Like, those are tools that I've had that I've been using. So um, that's kind of why I picked them. I have a, a bandana, a red bandana, I think. We said it was red. I think it's red. I've made it red. It's red. Um. I have a red bandana from a former Wyvern Hunter partner that I had feelings for. There were clear, clearly feelings. It was like Brokeback Mountain, but before they had sex. So, like, there were, it was very obvious what was going to happen there. So you were working alone. And by that, you mean they were working alone in the wilderness and had feelings for one another. Yes. Okay. Um, but we never acted on them, which is different than Brokeback Mountain. Yes. Because they acted on it in Brokeback Mountain. Um it has been so long since I watched that movie. That's probably like a really bad reference. There's probably something more appropriate. I'm sure there are better references. I'm sure there are. <laughs> um, so, wait. Well, we were kind of doing our own thing and then we joined up mm. for reasons 
I don't know what those reasons are. We joined up and then we kind of were partners for a while. Um, and we had feelings for each other. But my partner has died. I have the bandana. And now I am retired. And I don't think I have anything else about Marin. Okay. I think that's it. Uh, I think that's great. Yeah. You've got some gear. You've got some plot yeah. hooks. You've got some personality. Yeah. I think that's a great starting point. Yeah. I think she is a little rough around the edges. I don't think she's mean. I think she's just rough around the edges. She mm-hmm. kind of stick, sticks to herself and has been sticking to herself for most of her life. Except for when she ran with her partner. But even then, it was just, it was it. It was her partner and that was it. She didn't really talk to anybody else, so. Does she have any relationships now? To the town? To anybody. Let me get back to you. Okay. Let me think about that one. My instinct is to say no. But I think it's pretty hard to live in a town by yourself, especially when you're first starting, to have no relationships. Mm. Right? Like in a little village, you're going to need to rely on people. If your barn burns down, you can't build it by yourself. Yeah. Like you need help. So I don't know. She wouldn't have any like best friends or anything. But I think she's polite and she helps. I think she helps the town. Okay. Because she knows that she has no claim to this land and she needs this land. Yeah. So I think she helps the town. So like when people's, you know, she'll attend barn raisings to help build barns. She doesn't do any of the stereotypical like air quotes, women jobs. Like, she's not going to bake you an apple pie, but she'll come tend to your cow. I don't know if there are stereotypical women jobs in this world. Okay. But I, I mean, I, I do know what you mean. Yes, yeah. I know what you mean. Right. Uh, and especially in, like, in a historical context or yeah. in our traditional like she's not coming, views of fantasy. She's not coming to your human birthing, but yeah. she'll birth your cow. Okay. If you need it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she does that stuff. Yeah. I, I um, sorry, I only say that because I want to try to avoid those trappings, um, and I know I'm going to fall into them sometimes yeah. because I'm just going to, like, fall into what I'm using as inspiration, which is, like, Ghibli, um, like, fantasy that I've seen. Yeah. And a lot of those don't challenge a lot of gender norms. But I am hopeful that you can hold me accountable to try to, um, I don't know, make sure that make sure that this world is diverse. And hopefully you can keep me accountable because I am going to just pull on like Little House on the Prairie and, and yeah. Green Gables and stuff like that. So, yeah, stuff that like, we're familiar with. Right, exactly. So um, I think she helps out in physical ways. I think that's really the distance, the, yeah, di- yeah, yeah. the difference there. Like I think she she doesn't help out in interpersonal ways, but she helps out in physical ways, which is helpful to the town. And um, I think the town appreciates that. I also think that because she's a bit intimidating – she uses that intimidation. Like, I don't know what the ruffian situation is. But when she walks into town, there's not a whole lot of crime going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just yeah. feel like she's got this presence. Like, she yep. is not scary if you were to take a picture of her. But if you see her in real life, you're going to be like, I think maybe, no, I'm not going to pick pockets <laughs> today. I think maybe I'll wait. Okay. Maybe I'll wait. That's kind of what I'm going for. Now, what will actually happen is a goofy, silly, ridiculous person because Diana is playing Marin. But well, I think if you go in with your aims and maybe write them down and maybe yeah. just kind of tr- just try to reference them, then we can then we can both try to tell the story that we're we're hoping to tell. I agree. But I'm excited to play a character that I will I hope will be very different from Gonsasam. I've played gruff characters before, but I have a hard time sticking to the gruffness. Yeah. I have a hard time with that. Yeah, that's fair. So I'm excited. I'm excited to play this character. I'm excited for them. Yeah. So uh, one... Oh, 
Yes. Sorry, she uses she, her pronouns. Oh, that is good to know. Yeah, because I use she, her pronouns for myself. And it's, I'm just going to make this as uncomplicated. I just need to make it as uncomplicated for me as possible. <laughs> when you're talking to Marin, you're talking to me, and I need it to be as simple as possible for me. Not everybody plays like that, but for me, for this, that's what I need. Whatever, whatever you are comfortable, whatever characters you are comfortable playing. Yes. So I have one more touchstone that I totally forgot to mention is uh, the Earthsea cycle by Ursula K. Le Guin. Oh, yeah. That I think is really important for the sense of uh, wonder, the diverse cultures, um, and especially the relationship between humans and dragons. Um, I've been reading a lot of Ursula K. Le Guin lately, and I love Ursula K. Le Guin, so... That's a big cultural touchstone as well. And I also want to thank two Ryutama podcasts that I listen to to help me get a grasp on the moves uh, or the, the rules of this game. The first is Heartbeats, uh, which is a wonderful little slice of life podcast that uses Ryutama. And uh, if you are a Patreon of the Heartbeats cast, uh, you get, there's like all, they do all kinds of work with um, custom Ryutama stuff, uh, classes, moves, stuff like that, which I highly recommend. And for a more traditional party journey, uh, I really enjoy uh, Shapeshift Cast. Uh, that's Shapeshift Cast, Book of Spring, did a long form uh, Ryutama kind of traditional journey. And it's Excellent. It's very good. Both of these podcasts taught me a lot about how to uh, play, run, and podcast Ryutama, and I highly recommend them. So I think that's it for our session zero. I think it might be. I think we've kind of gotten through everything that we yeah. want to get through. So session one is going to come out uh, on April 13th. We have one exciting thing going on in that we are want to do a giveaway of a copy of Ryutama and a dice set from Die Hard Dice. And um, you can find that on our Twitter. There will be a tweet about this new contest. It's running from the time that you hear this podcast, probably. It might be up in a... It should be up by now. It'll be up by now. It will be up by it now. It will be up by now. It will be up by now. Um, and it's going to run for 10 days, ending on the 10th, April 10th. So it's starting today, the th uh, March 30th, ending April 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern. And it will be announced on the 13th uh, with our new episode and on Twitter. And it's going to be a Twitter contest. Uh, follow us on Twitter at HeartPointsPod. Like the post and retweet the tweet and you will be entered for a chance to win a copy of the Ryutama core book as well as a beautiful set of jade colored dice from Die Hard Dice. They're not made of jade. They're just very beautiful jade coloration. They're really pretty. They're very, very pretty. And I'm a little jealous about whoever's going to win this, but I'll be honest, we don't need more dice in this house. So, I have a lot of dice. So many dice. So please win. Please, please win. 
Lots of people follow, like, and retweet us so that somebody can get this so it's out of my house. Trying to get rid of my dice. We have so many dice. Um, It's beautiful, but so many dice. The Raituma book is this gorgeous hardcover book. It's absolutely beautiful. It really is like a display piece with how pretty it is. I think it is... At the time of this recording, I do not believe it is currently, there's a current print run. I had a little bit of trouble tracking one down. So I highly recommend if you have, if you want a copy, this might be a good way to get a copy because it's yeah. kind of hard to find. But yeah, please keep an eye out on our Twitter for the giveaway. And that is it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Ryutama, a natural fantasy RPG, is written by Atsuhiro Okada, translated by Matt Sanchez and Andy Kitkowski, with illustrations by Ayako Nagamori. We want to thank Zach B., our editor and producer, without whom this show would not get made. If you did not hear Diana saying ridiculous things, or long, long pauses, or weird dog snores, you can thank Zach B. So, Zach B., thanks for making us sound a little less chaotic. (laughs) We also want to thank In Love with the Ghost for the use of their song Chilling at Nemo's Place off of the album Healing. You can find In Love with the Ghost at inlovewiththeghost.bandcamp.com. Please make sure to find us, rate us, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It means a lot and it helps other people find us. So please, please, please take just a minute or two out of your day because computers are so fast now. It really only takes like a minute to find us. And then like do those things. Okay, thanks. Bye. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HeartPointsPod. Please follow us and join us for discussion about RPGs and podcasts and make sure to share us with everyone you know, especially your RPG-loving friends. Once again, that is at HeartPointsPod, and definitely make sure to check us out this week as we have that giveaway going. We want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to our patrons for allowing us to keep this show going. If you would like to become a patron of this show, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash HeartPointsPod. I can say words. I swear I can. Um, You can directly support the show and help us maintain it and make it better every single week. If we sound better, it's because we actually made enough money from our Patreon to be able to buy better mics. So now I don't have this big black screen in front of me making me really angry every week. Now I have like a (laughs) microphone that looks really fancy. And that's all because of our patrons who support us so generously. So please, 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 please consider it. And thank you so much to all of our patrons for already doing it. Thank you all again for joining us in our adventure today. We hope that as you return back to the real world, that you continue to have a very nice day. But like, a very, very nice one.